You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Uh, the focal passage this morning is Psalm 71, verse 18. Psalm 71, verse 18. You can follow along in your Bibles. It'll be up on the screens. If you don't have a Bible this morning, you can stop by the Connect desk. We would love to give you one uh, even this morning. Psalm 71, verse 18. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation your power to all those to come. This is God's word. You can now have a seat and the kids can be dismissed to their class. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I'll let you get seated. Take out your Bibles if you want to. We have a couple passages of scripture throughout our message this morning that I'd love for you to follow along with. They'll also be on the screen for a lot of those. My name is Matt Tucker. I'm one of the pastors here, and I will be preaching today and continuing on in our sermon series. And so I invite you to pray with me as I pray aloud this morning. God, thanks for your goodness to this church. Thanks for your love for us. Thanks for allowing us to enjoy you through music and through scripture so far and through just being around other believers. And God, my prayer for me and for us is that we would learn what your word has to say about aging and about the elderly and that we might, as a result of this time today, care more, know how to think differently from a biblical perspective, and that, God, by your grace, you would allow us to be built up through this passage of Scripture. Allow me to say only things that are helpful, and I pray that we would leave here ready to be sent on your mission. God, we invite you to help. We love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Ann Landers, a Chicago Sun advice columnist, says this about aging. At age 20, we worry about what other people think about us. At age 40, we don't care what other people think about us. And at age 60, we discover they haven't been thinking about us at all. Uh, This quote is probably more true than we would like to believe. And uh, at age 20, maybe this is a general overstatement or observation, but age 20, you're figuring stuff out, right? You're young, and probably most of you have a desire to make an impact in the world, to carve out a role and to make the world a better place. And at age 40, there's a chance that you actually have done that, that you know your role. You have made a difference. You are impacting something. And so you tend to care less maybe about that perceived you know, impact that people are wondering about you. And at age 60, we start to understand that the world's going to go on with or without us, and we are literally one of 8 billion people that live on it. So why do we care about perceived impact and influence in the world? Why do we care about those things and and how they might impact us and how people perceive us? It's because there's something inside of us that wants to know that our role in life is meaningful and memorable. We want our name to outlive our existence. And so today we're going to look at the subject of aging from a biblical perspective, and we're going to compare how the world thinks about aging and the elderly versus how God would want us to think about aging and the elderly. So to set up, we are, as Scott said, we're in our sixth week, I believe, in a sermon series on redeeming um, relationships. And the main purpose of this series is to see the beauty and glory of God's design in each of the categories we've talked about. We've hit on 
enemies, and we've hit on um, marriage and singleness and, and many other topics. And we've looked to see what the Bible says about each of those things. We live our lives day in and day out in the context of relationships. And so this series today, I mean, it really matters. And God has a specific way he wants us to view these distinct relationships. And here is why I want us to engage today in this conversation of aging. As we age, some of us will play the days we have left too safe. Some of us will play our time left on this earth too safe. In this scenario, we obsess about the future and how prepared or unprepared we are for how we will age. We live in a preserve and protect mode where we are regularly worrying about like our, our health when we get older. We maybe worry about, are we gonna be financially ready? And, and will we have people around us, like a support system to help us when we might not be able to take care of ourselves? And in focusing on these concerns too much, we might become pessimistic, be less caring and less aware of those around us. And the flip side of this is that we play the days we have left on this earth um, too loose. It's a almost YOLO mentality. You know, I'm gonna live my life to the fullest while I still have it. And in this scenario, we tend to minimize maybe ministry and relationships, and we want to make sure that we do all that we can before we leave this earth. And our goal is to be remembered for actually doing the things that others only dream about and talk about doing. But here's the problem with both of these scenarios this morning. Both of these scenarios are inward focused, prioritizing the preservation of ourselves and our legacy. So the question I have for each of us as we get into this message today is this, in light of aging, what are you trying to preserve with the rest of your days? Whose name do we want people to remember more, our name or his name? And the main idea of the message, and it'll be on the screens, is this. The eternal God remains faithful to his people as we proclaim his name throughout our lives. The eternal God remains faithful to his people as we proclaim his name throughout our lives. Um, to give some context to this one verse. I know it's one verse and that was kind of a unique challenge for me, but just to um, give a little bit of background to it, um, as best as we can tell, this psalm is a prayer from an older anonymous saint. Um, this man, from what we can tell from the whole psalm and from those around it, this man has trusted God the majority of his life. And in his old age, he sought God's help as he faced many difficulties. His adversaries saw that his strength was waning and assumed God had abandoned him. And this guy, this older gentleman, continues to turn to the Lord and put his faith in him. And the reason why I'm talking about this, because um, you might say, well, why don't you just say David? Um, but we don't know for sure if it's David, and I want to be you know, true to the text. And so I'm going to say throughout the course of his time, the writer or the psalmist, so that way we're kind of accurate with all those things. Um, but point number one, if you're taking notes, is this. God will not forsake his people. God will not forsake his people. And it was read, Adam did a great job, but I want to read it for us one more time just to get in our brains. This is Psalm 71, 18. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation and your power to those who come. So here are three observations from this text as we jump in. First of all, we age. The writer of our focal passage was a youth and says himself, he has, you know, he is older with gray hair. And like the writer, all of us are advancing in age as well. We try to slow down the effects of aging with like, you know, um, procedures and beards and makeup and all sorts of things. And when we use phrases like this to kind of downplay our aging, right? We say, you know, man, I, I might be 
this age, but you know, my baby face makes me look like I'm 10 years younger. Or you know, I might be 42, but everyone around me is like 56 and, and higher or 60 or 80 or whatever the number is. Or you say like, you know, I might be this old, but I, I feel like I'm this. And so we constantly are talking about how we're trying to minimize the impact that aging has on us. And even it shifted for me. Like when I talk about it, when I was at 10, I remember thinking that 30-year-olds were like ancient when I was 10 years old, right? Maybe this is true for you too. And, and that has shifted as now I'm 42, right? 30-year-olds don't seem so old anymore. At the end of the day, in order to live, we have to use the currency of time. And in using time, all of us age. And the more we age, um, this takes us to observation number two, we tend to worry, right? We worry. We don't know how aging will treat us. Some people will age really well, right? Some people will have great health. They will have a family support around them and relationships, and they will be financially secure, and they will age well. But this is not um, true for everyone, and there's no guarantee that this will be true for us. And so that brings about some, some worries, some questions, like what will things be like, and am I ready, or how will things go? And for the writer, it seems like his biggest worry from this text is that he will be left alone, that, that either God will forsake him or that he will have to face the trials of life by himself. And like him, the older we get, the more we realize our own limitations as well. Strength is limited. Time is limited. Options may lessen for us. And this leads us to ask questions like this. How will I fare if I'm older and I get sick? Will I be able to handle it if my spouse passes away? And will my family be there for me if I'm bedridden or house-ridden? And these are legit worries. But what we do with these things, what we, what we do with our worries is what matters most. And that takes us to observation from the text number three. We go to God. In our focal passage, this aging man takes his concerns to the Lord. It is, in a sense, a prayer. He asks that God will not forsake him and that God would remain with him. And he prays, believing this, right? This is not a last-ditch effort. This is not a whimsical hope. He prays, believing that God hears him and he knows that he cares. And he prays, believing that God's presence and strength would be the thing that sustains him through all the trials ahead. Church, this is the, this is the main idea for point number one. Aging is a gift from God that reminds us of our need for him. Aging is a gift from God that reminds us of our need for him. And I, that will be on the screens as well. God wants to redeem all of our perspective on aging. Whether you are young here today, whether you consider yourself young or whether you consider yourself older, God wants to redeem how we think about our last days. I have a hunch that we rely more on our strength and our youth than we would like to admit and in doing so, we miss out on knowing and relying on the perfect presence of God. So let me put this to the test. When are you more likely to go to the Lord? When are you more likely to acknowledge that you need him? Is it when life is good and you are healthy and you, are, you have your youth and, and things are great? Or is it when things start to shift in life and there's uncertainty, there's some doubt and fear about things? For me, if you're anything like me, I won't project this on you, but I know the answer to that. It's when things are tougher. Um, I pray a lot more fervently and frequently when things seem out of control or when I don't know what to do. And just for an example of that, maybe you can relate to stuff. Maybe stuff is popping up in your head about times when you were like, I don't know how to even think about this. But for me, this was 10 years ago. I have a daughter named Macy and she was born four weeks early. 
and she went right into the you know, hospital, I think it's the ICU, and she was there for 13 days. She had trouble breathing, um, she was not keeping down food, and she had some minor scoliosis stuff, and they literally took her from us right when she popped out. And it was fine at first, like, we're like okay, figure some stuff out, try to be strong, and, and we didn't know how long she'd be in the hospital and in intensive care. And as day seven rolled around and day eight rolled around, we started to feel like, man, like this is not good and I don't know how we're gonna do it. And by day like 12, this is no joke what was happening. I was in our basement on my face, face down, praying to the Lord, God help me. What's happening here? We just didn't know and my strength was like running out. And for me, I realized quickly that my strength was not enough. And thinking that our strength and youth will sustain us is an illusion that God in his grace gently strips away from us as we age. So here are three ways to redeem our view of aging. These are simple points, but if we lived in these things and in light of these things, they will serve us well. Number one, remember we are human. We aren't God. We don't live forever. We don't have unlimited resources and we can't figure out all the problems. We get to remember that, right? That's how God made us. Number two, we get to remember that God isn't human. And this is, this is our hope, right? He lives outside of time. God doesn't age. He has resources and he is fully capable to know how to engage in any circumstance. And number three, remember that God is committed to his aging children. In this passage, we know that God is committed to this, this man. And we remember that God is committed to us. We get to daily remind ourselves that this is true, that God is committed to us. He will not forsake his children. God is committed to us and holds on to us throughout the entirety of our lives. And he has promised to sustain his children and provide for us what we need. And as our view of aging is redeemed, we can be sure that a right perspective on aging will then free us from the worry that we have from time to time. God can and will turn our worry of aging into peace as we look to him. And, and this was the uh, call to worship text. I'm gonna read it again because I've loved this passage for years. In college, in like 2000, I found this passage and it's, it's been a passage I've clinged to and felt encouraged from and hope from. And so I'm gonna read it again for us in light of being free of worry, in light of reminding ourselves of who God is. Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. But this I recall to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In a companion verse along with that, it's uh, two verses. It's Psalm 73, 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Church, God has not and will not forsake his people. He will not forsake you. Our fading strength and eyesight might, are, are they're not deal breakers to God. And his commitment to us isn't contingent on the amount of wrinkles or spots on our skin. His mercies to his children are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And so a couple questions in light of point number one. So how does aging or thinking about old age affect you? Is it something that you tend to just blot out? Is it something that consumes your thoughts? Where, where do you tend, does it bring about worries or fears of, of what will happen? If so, where do you think this worry comes from? 
And does that say something about where your hope or my hope might be anchored, right? If, if as an example, if my hope is anchored in my youth or my health, then man, I'm gonna be disappointed at some point, right? Or if my hope is anchored in you know, my financial st- stability or security, gosh, like that will fail me at some point. But we get to turn to the Lord, remembering Lamentations 3. Second question, or more of a statement, learn to rely on the perfect care that God provides for us each day. And again, you might be saying, man, this is just very obvious stuff. This is the Jesus answer, right? But, but if we lived in this, this would change how we think about the future. I would encourage you to bring worries and fears to God like the psalmist did. We get to repent of the worries that we have and the, and the doubts and just the, the time we, that consumes our minds with this stuff. And we get to remember his mercies that are new every morning for us. And as we continually replace our eyes on him, we will know and rest in his faithfulness to us. God will not forsake his people. That takes us to point number two, God will not forsake his mission. So let's look at two observations about God's mission from this text. Observation number one, if you're taking notes, is this God's mission is personal. God's mission is personal. The psalmist understood that God's mission was to him before it ever went out through him, right? We talk a lot in a really good way about, hey, we get to be on mission, and that is incredibly true, and we talked about even in my prayer about how we get to be sent out on God's mission, but I want us to know that that God's mission is first to us in a very personal way before he invites us to go out and then do things for him. God has been at work in this man from his youth, and we know this because he tells us this. He says, oh God, from my youth, you have taught me in, in Psalm 71, 17, which is the verse right before, and in Psalm 71, 18, he says, so even to old age, do not forsake me, which means he is aware that God has been working in him um, in his mission to him throughout his life. The psalmist knew that God valued him before the psalmist had added any value to God's kingdom. And I think this is really simple but profound insight to grasp. God loved him before he declared God's power and might, and God invested in him before, he ever, before God ever got a return on investment from this man. And understanding that he was the first, the recipient of God's mission, then fueled his desire to then be on God's mission. That's observation number one. The second observation um, is, is this. God's power and might are emphasized. God's power and might are emphasized. The second half of our verse says this, until I proclaim your might to another generation and your power to those who come. The writer refers to many of God's attributes throughout the book of Psalms, but in our focal passage, God's power and God's might are what he emphasizes, right? Now, we aren't given specifics as to why he highlights these two things, power and might, but we can, you know, maybe let me guess for a second. Let me kind of just speculate on a couple of the reasons why. I think that as this man ages, he has grown more aware of a couple things. His diminished power and the need for God's power to accomplish his will in the world. I, again, this might not be true for everybody, but as we age, I believe we become more aware of, man, this, I'm not able to do all the things. I'm not going to be able to you know, be as strong as I once was. And also, I think you realize that, man, I'm not able to just change the world on my own, right? Uh, and so he becomes aware of his diminishing power and the need for God's power to work in the world. And as a child, um, man, this, this is, you know, we, it's easy to miss some of the crap that goes on in the world, right? But as we grow 
as we age, as we become more aware and get on technology and stuff, we start to experience it, right? As one gets older, we experience the brokenness. We experience the sin. We see marriages that are, that are fighting it out and, and tough. We, see, we, we know of wars, and we know of just a ton more stuff, and it's easy to all of a sudden be beat down by those things. And I believe the psalmist knows the severity of the sin, the reality of death, and the need for something greater than himself to heal the world. And because of this, he appreciates God's power and might all the more. So he faithfully declares it to the next generation so they can have hope and not worry about these things as well. And here's uh, the main idea for point number two. God's power ensures the success of God's mission in you and in the world. God's power ensures the success of God's mission in you and in the world. Aging men and women are not less of a priority in God's mission. If you are God's, then his might and power are actively at work in you all the days of your life, no matter what age you are. His power does not favor the youth. It doesn't favor the strong. And for those that are in Christ, he has promised to work in you up until the point that, that he takes you home or that he comes back at some point. And in Philippians 1.6, this is probably a verse you've seen on a coffee mug or, or somewhere, but it's, it's, it's so fitting here. It says this, and I am sure, this is Paul talking, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And this is me speculating, right? I'm, I'm not maybe later on in life, but man, like it might be easy to think as an older person that, gosh, you know, like, how, is God going to use me? Do I have value? Is he going to continue to work on me? Or does he see me the same way as maybe I can't do some of the things that I used to do? And from this verse, we know that, gosh, you are not forgotten. You are not pushed to the side. He sees you and continues to work in you all the days of your life. And uh, this takes us to part B of point number two. God's mission will be successful in the world. When you come to the end of your life, and all is said and done. You might be on your deathbed and your family's around you. This is the question that you have to know the answer to. Do you believe that God has the power to accomplish what he promised to do? Or I could say it another way. Can we trust him with our souls and the restoration of the world? And man, that sounds maybe like deep or high, but and we might not think about it much when we're 10 or when we're 20. But when we come to the end of our life and we start to have end of you know, time thoughts, this is the question we have to know the answer to. Is God powerful enough to save my soul, to, to rescue it, to bring it to him, and to, at some point, renew the world? And if you don't believe in or know the power of God's might, then I ask you this question. Who are you entrusting your family to and friends to when you pass away? Or who do you entrust the state of the world to when you aren't here anymore? It's a common desire in people to want to make the world a better place, but apart from Christ, how sad it must be to be on your deathbed to leave this world knowing the state that it's in. We in our strength are not able to change the world, and sin has broken us and broken the world, and it will outlive us. And that's why the writer of our focal passage emphasizes God's power and might, I believe, because it's the only thing that we have to rely on. If we believe that God can do whatever he promised, then we can pass from this life knowing that our family will be left in his hands. We can pass from this life knowing that he can and will restore the world and heal the brokenness. The mission doesn't end when we end. And our hope is to entrust all that we leave behind to him. 
God is enough, and because of his power and might, his mission will be successful in us and in the world. And so I'd encourage you to reflect on the fact that God's mission is to you. Maybe you've thought about it, maybe you say that's so general, but gosh, it is, it is helpful to think on this. If we did this, how might this impact how you see your value in God's eyes? Because if we only think about us being on God's mission and doing stuff for him, then we might feel less valuable as we age. But remembering that, that gosh, God's mission is also to us. He is working on us. He sees us when we are not discarded or lessened as we age, changes how we then engage. Knowing that God's mission is to you before we do anything for God will remind us of where our true value lies with him. And the second question I ask in light of point number two is this, what do you emphasize when you talk about God? If you were out with coworkers or if you're with, friend, with friends and they say, hey, what do you think about God? Which is pretty, you know, hey, that could happen, right? Maybe that does happen for you. What do you emphasize? What are the attributes of God that you are, think are safe to talk about? And what are the attributes that you think need to be talked about? And what are the attributes that you might de-emphasize? Do you, do you consider God's power and might when you are in conversations with people? I think we emphasize in, in, in my life and in singing and stuff, God's love a lot, right? And that's, gosh, we need to emphasize God's love. We emphasize his forgiveness or his faithfulness to us. But how often in conversation and in your thoughts do you think, man, I'm so glad God is powerful. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I want you to know that, gosh, that matters. That matters for your life and that matters for how mission is played out. And depending on what it is, whatever you decide to talk about, that says something about you, right? Do you value or downplay God's power and might more or less than other attributes? And in my prayer for point number two is that we learn to value God's power in us and in the world. God will not forsake his mission. So point number one, we, uh, we saw that God will not forsake his people. And in point number two, we saw that God will not forsake his mission. And our third point is this this morning. God's mission gives God's people purpose. God's mission gives God's people purpose. This is our last point this morning. And here are two observations in light of the psalmist this morning. We've talked about observations about mission. We've talked about observations from the text. And now we're talking about observations from this man in specifics. The psalmist does what he can do for the mission, right? He is old. He tells us himself, he has gray hair and he probably can do a lot less than he used to do. He probably has less energy. He's, he's probably not as mobile. Again, me speculating. I don't know how old this guy is, but there are probably things that are slowing down in his life. He probably isn't the best fit to lead a men's discipleship program or lead set up and tear down on a Sunday morning or, or maybe even be up here on the band. And no one would blame him if he just said, you know what, I, I, gotta, I gotta lay low. I gotta, I gotta take it easy. But he found a way to serve the mission at his age in the state that he was in. What he decided to do might not have been his first choice. What he decided to might have felt less than what he sees everyone else doing around him. And no one may ever see what he does. No one ever may hear the prayers he prays or, or see the conversations he has. But this man found a way to meaningfully and intentionally contribute to God's mission. He chose to declare the power and might of God to a younger generation. And, and we might call that today evangelism. He chose to share the gospel. He chose to declare who God is. That's what he found to do in the state that he was in. That's observation one. He found what he could do. 
Observation number two about the psalmist is this. The psalmist is an example to those around him. Whether this man knows it or not, who he is and how he lives makes a statement to others around him. This man is certainly not perfect. I don't want you to think that whoever this guy is, he's, he's nailing it. He's got it all together. That's not the case. But what we know from this text is that, that he has a desire to serve the Lord. He has a genuine love for God, and he is seeking to continue to be about God's mission. This older man gives us a much-needed picture of what spiritual maturity looks like in older age. The process of sanctification does not happen in moments, but over years. Faithfulness and self-control and repentance don't happen and develop in us overnight. And the fruit of the Spirit only grows as God works in us over the course of our lives. This man is a gift to those around him and an example of what it looks like to live as a faithful um, person over the course of time. And so this is the main idea for point number three. Aging is not a liability in God's kingdom. Aging is not a liability in God's kingdom. Aging people have a valuable part to play as we just talked about. They can be examples even if they do seemingly not as much, right? Or if they can't be as present. If you are here today and you think that your best days are behind you, that's just not true. The world measures value like this. If you can't do the task, then you are of no use to the organization, right? A 90, and this is true to extent in the world, right? A 95-year-old person might not be as safe on a construction site, right? They might say, hey, that's, 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 let's kind of keep you over there, or an 85-year-old will not be hired for a position as a lifeguard probably. But God's kingdom doesn't measure value and productivity the same way the world does. Aging people are not phased out of God's mission, and God will never decide to go in a different direction from you. Because aging people are not a liability in God's kingdom. They will always have an opportunity or role to play that significantly benefits his kingdom. And the sermon series we are in is centered around relationships. And 1 Timothy 5 builds out our thinking of how to think about each member of the body. And we are encouraged to consider older men as fathers and older women as mothers, younger women as sisters and, and younger men as, as brothers. And if you have been a Christian for a long time, maybe you are here today and you are an older Christian, man, I want you to consider this for a second in a very practical way. The only thing you can do, and I don't, I don't mean to minimize the only thing, but the only thing you might be able to do is be a spiritual mother or be a spiritual father to those around you today. And that's not nothing. That is significant. We need spiritual moms and dads in our church today. This doesn't mean you don't get to tell, this doesn't mean you get to tell people what to do or how to take care of their house. It means you get to pray with people. It means you get to encourage people, walk alongside them, offer help and, and offer even to mentor as appropriate, right? Not everyone's gonna want that, but gosh, you get to make yourself available to be active in those things. And it's my hope that we see older mature Christians as examples in the church, as role models, as maybe almost heroes that we look up to and aspire to be like. There are multiple men and women at the village that I could highlight and use for this example, but I hope this one example illustrates this point. Um, Doug and Pat Lapina are in my pastoral care group, and oftentimes in that I'll send out texts here and there. Hey, you guys doing all right? Anything I'd be praying for? You know, whatever it happens. And they responded about two months ago with this. 
Pray that we can be sap and yield fruit in old age. That was, that was their prayer request and ask. Pray that we can be sap and yield fruit in old age. And this response reveals a lot about what they were trying to preserve, doesn't it? It's, it's not wrong to be financially stable. It's not wrong to enjoy life and vacation and to get out and, gosh, live in the health that you have. But gosh, you can see the desire on their minds and hearts. And this response also helped to parent me in a sense, right? This is them not trying to, but just almost passively parenting me. It helped shape how I should be thinking about my future. This prayer request was a window into the desire at their age to continue to want to be used by God for his mission. And it comes, their, their ask comes from this passage of scripture, Psalms 92, 14, and 15. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. And so I pray that, gosh, this passage is each of our desire as we age. And again, you don't have to just say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna block this away for when I'm 50. All of us are aging. This applies to all of us this morning. And so I hope that all of us start to build from a biblical perspective this mentality. Imagine what our families and church and city could look like if all of us thought like this. Imagine the restoration and hope that could come from a people given to the mission of God for the entirety of their lives. I'm gonna close point number three with this quote. The Lord did not save us. I think it'll be on the screens, I know it's small. The Lord did not save us so we could bask endlessly in his goodness, mercy, or glory. He had an eternal purpose in choosing each one of us. And that purpose goes beyond blessing and fellowship and revelation. The fact is God still reaches out to the lost humankind, searching for believing people he can shape into his greatest evangelistic tools. And that was our writer's desire. That's, that's what he is doing. Church, aging people are valued people in God's kingdom. I wanna close point number three with this encouragement. First Samuel 16, seven, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his statue because I have rejected him. This is David or God talking about um, King Saul in the, in the Old Testament. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. As one ages, your biggest impact might not be in what you do or have done, but in who you are presently today, how you show up, how you worship, how you think about things, how you pray for others. You might never be seen as a big deal in the church and you might never preach to thousands or lead a million people to Christ, but God sees you and God sees your heart. If you consider yourself an older person, you might not be able to do all the things you once did, but my encouragement is to consider the love of the Lord that, that is with you and to testify all the days that you have left about his goodness, about his power and about his might. So what do you think about your role in God's mission? What can you find to do? It's not about doing, but we all get to be a part of it. There is something at any age that we can find to do do you believe today that you can play a meaningful role the farther along in life you get? Do you see your role as less significant when you compare it with others, right? Do you look around and say, gosh, I just wish that I could, or I, man, they are, or whatever it is. Do you think like that? And I hope that you remember that God values the widow's might. God values the psalmist evangelism 
and God values each of your contributions, whether you think they are big or small, to his mission. And I wanna to talk to those who might consider themselves younger for a second, right? I, I'm not going to label who is older here and who is younger, but if you consider yourself younger, this is for you for a second. How have older people around you built into you and encouraged you? It's so easy to, to miss, right? They have an impact and they, their words are meaningful and, and their, their hugs are invaluable. And, and for me, man, I've missed on this. When I was putting this together, this is what came to mind for me as I get to repent of this. And my parents, when I'm with them, almost every time they say, Matt, I'm praying for you, praying for your family, and I'm praying for your church. And I, I really appreciate that. And I say, oh, gosh, thanks, man, I, gosh. But like, man, I don't value that enough. That's not nothing, right? And gosh, maybe that is um, an older person's contribution to you. And so if you are younger here today, do you recognize that? Do you thank that maybe older spiritual mom or dad for their impact on your life? I hope that we be a church that recognizes the valuable role that aging people play in our church and in our lives because they are a necessary gift. And in closing, um, I'm gonna bring us back to the question that I had before um, the message. What are you trying to preserve? What are you trying to preserve with the rest of your days? Whose name are you trying to pass on to the future generations? Everything in our culture screams for the prioritizing of ourselves and our legacy. But if our hope is in our preservation or our relevance or our youth or in our influence in this world, then we're aiming at the wrong target. Mark 8, 34 and 35 says this, in calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever, this is kind of the main point of this passage, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And going back to the quote I read at the beginning, what an awful realization to get to the end of your life and found out you won the wrong game. Our hope isn't in being remembered by the world. And our hope isn't in preserving a legacy or, or our name or our reputation. Church, this is what I want us to remember as we get older. Through Christ, God has preserved us and knowing this frees us to preserve his name for the remainder of our lives. He has promised to take care of us. He will be with his children. And so that frees us to not have to worry so much about what if and do I have enough of this and how will this fare? God's gonna be with us. He has promised you that he has preserved us. Because of the cross and the resurrection, death is not the end for us. Jesus died to preserve us and invite us to live to preserve his name. And if we are God's, then he does value us. He chooses us and will preserve us. And when we understand this, it frees us from the fear of being forsaken, like this guy's fear was. It frees us from feeling like God's mission has passed us by or that we might be irrelevant. And it frees us from feeling like we are not valuable or have nothing to contribute to the church. Prioritizing the preservation of our God to the next generation is what matters. He will last forever and will remain faithful to our dying breath. He is what this next generation needs. And in living for his name, that will leave a legacy that is God-honoring. The eternal God remains faithful to his people as we proclaim his name throughout our lives. 
And so we invite you to respond as we always do. My wife and I will be kind of back there by those painted buildings. Um, I believe there'll be a, a couple or a group of team members by the red tree over there. And we invite you to pray by the prayer bench or in your seats. And we will also take communion this morning where I invite you back to what God did for us, how he preserved his children on the cross. The, the juice reminds us of the blood that was shed. The, the crack reminds us of his body that was broken for us. And so we encourage you just to pause for a second. The band's gonna come up here and guys, you can come up. Um, but I encourage you just to not jump to anything. Reflect on some of these questions that will be on the screen. And man, I hope today that you get to consider what, whatever age you are, who you are in light of God's mission, how he thinks of you. And remember that, gosh, we are thankful for all ages here at the Village Church. I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll dismiss you to do those things. God, thanks for this day. Thanks for this message. And God, please let it continue to speak to us and challenge us long after we leave here today. God, I pray that we would be a church that values all ages, that we would know that the healthiest church is the, the church that is not just a bunch of one age group, but God, God, through our youth and through old age, God, let us know that we get to be healthier in light of all these different age groups. We love you. Please let us think rightly. Please let us respond to you however your Holy Spirit leads us to do that. And we pray this in your name. Amen.